Good morning and welcome to Water and Stone. My name is Dieter Randolph and I'm really happy to be back with you again for another journey through the Bible. This is a really interesting story that we're going to get into today, but I just before we get there, I just want to thank you once again for everything that you're doing to help spread the word, for all of the comments that have come in, for all of the times I've been able to talk with people on the phone and text message and send emails and all of that sort of stuff that we do on social media and every other place. I love that this is making a difference for you because it's making a difference for me too. After all, as we say, the Bible is our primary textbook. It's in there somewhere. Whatever you're working on, it really is in there. And we don't have time to cover every single word of the scripture, but with what we're doing, if you stick with me through this journey, you're going to have the tools you need to read the parts that we didn't cover in a different way and get a meaning for you that means something to you. And boy, oh boy, that's everything. Today, we're going to be talking about Ruth and Naomi. That's the whole book of Ruth, Ruth 1 through 4. And there's a lot to talk about there. Let's get going with our opening prayer. God is and I am. I stand on holy ground. Right here and right now, there is truth. Right here and right now, there is freedom. Right here and right now, there is life. This is who I am. I am ready. From now on, I speak the truth. From now on, I choose freedom. From now on, this is my life. The unstoppable love of God prepares the way. I am ready. And so it is. In Jesus' name, amen. So, here we go. This is the whole book of Ruth, as I said a minute ago. And there's a lot in here. This tiny little uh, book, a pretty seemingly straightforward story. And in fact, when I told some people that I was covering that, uh, they said, well, you know, that one's kind of a no-brainer almost. I mean, I get the story. It's about being nice, about being loyal. And it is about those things. But there's so much more going on in this story, so much more for you and me. For one thing, it's a story about, quote-unquote, mixed marriages, about how the idea of your outer background doesn't determine your inner nature. Where you have been, physically or chronologically, any other way, doesn't really have any bearing on what's going to happen next for you. God, miracles, spirit doesn't just happen in quote-unquote sanctioned places. This is a really important thing to think about. <laughs> Here we are doing church across the internet. I'm in my living room, you know, I'm talking to a camera and I'm talking to you. This is an important reminder that church, for example, miracles, spirit, God doesn't just happen in the places where it's sanctioned, but rather Miracles happen where we make room for miracles. And we learned this before. Remember that whole thing about Moses and the burning bush where God said, take off your sandals for the place you stand is holy ground, even though it didn't look like a particularly special place. We learned this through the story of Joseph, where here's someone who is a slave, a prisoner, a nobody, so to speak, who becomes really, really important, who saves a whole nation as well as his family. We're going to find that there are some lessons that really stand out in one place in the Bible, but there are also some lessons that repeat themselves over and over and over again. And both of those kinds of lessons are really important. 
But this is one of those uh, repeating lessons. It doesn't matter where you've been. And in fact, it's really easy to use that as a cop-out. Well, I can't love anymore because I've been betrayed. I can't be happy because I've done bad things. Well, you know what? Everybody's got stuff in their past. Everybody's got heartache. Everybody's got boneheaded decisions that they've made. Trust me. What are you going to do about it now? That's the question. And that is very much a Ruth question. Let me say it this way. I wrote it down. I want to say it exactly like I wrote it. It's not your past. It's your character that determines your next experience. It's not your past. It's your character that determines your next experience. That's the big theme of this. But yes, this is a story about kindness. And that's important because Ruth is from Moab. And the Moabites in the Bible are often uh, stereotyped, let's say, as being incredibly unkind. These are rude, mean, selfish, look out for number one kind of people. These are the people that own a copy of the Fountainhead and read it all the time. These are the Moabites. And so it's especially important that, that, that Ruth is from Moab, given how nice she is in the story. Just like we talked about with Jericho, but in a very different way, this is a story about release and retention, what to carry forward with you and what to leave behind, what to cling to and identify with and what to just say goodbye to. And so with all of that in mind, here's a story of Ruth and Naomi really, really quickly, and, and I encourage you to... to Read the whole story in your Bibles when you get a chance. So here's Naomi. Naomi is Jewish. She's not from Moab. She leaves her hometown of Bethlehem because there's a famine there. She leaves Bethlehem where this is a holy place. It's a sanctioned place to be Jewish, to have a right relationship with God. It's good property, you know, location, location, location. Bethlehem's great, except right now there's a famine. And so Naomi and her family, they go to Moab, which is not a nice place where there are mean people, like I said a minute ago, bad neighborhood, you know? This is already interesting. There's already more here than a story about being nice if you really think about it. Think about the fact that a famine can even happen in Bethlehem. Sometimes it's tempting to believe that, you know, I go to church every Sunday and I put money in the plate and, and I have the right outfit and I've read all the right books and I know the right people and I'm conversant with the audio book of Deepak Chopra in the, in the CD player in my car or whatever. And famine can happen in Bethlehem. I think one of the other recurring lessons throughout the Bible is we cannot judge people based on their current situation. Now, remember, we talked about this extensively with Joseph, for example. You can't judge somebody based on where they, what they're going through right now. And this is really important because I got to tell you, in the pop spirituality end of things, there's been a lot of times when I've heard somebody say, oh, look, they got, let's say, laid off from their job or they got divorced or they're having a bad time or they're sick. I've even heard it talked about in terms of physical well-being. Well, what's in your consciousness? Like it's some weird Capital One commercial. What's in your consciousness that, that you get sick, that bad things happen? And it sounds almost spiritual, except it's completely not. It's mean, and it's a cheap shot, and it's plain old wrong. I mean, first of all, we're not supposed to judge people anyway. Uh, you know this, even though we haven't gotten to that part of the scripture yet. 
But more than that, think about the fact that every single Bible hero you have went through hard times. Once again, look at Joseph. Jesus gets crucified. Does that mean he's got a bad consciousness? It takes the children of Israel a long time to get to the promised land. Does that mean that they're no good somehow, spiritually speaking? Do we really judge that? Well, you know better. So let's go one better than that. Should you judge yourself because you're having a hard time? Is that going to help anything, for one thing? It's also, once again, plain old wrong. Now, we're going to dig way more into that when we talk about Daniel in a little bit. But today, I want to just talk about this story about Ruth and Naomi. So, uh, Naomi and her family, they move to Moab. And Naomi's sons, they marry Moabites. They marry uh, Ruth of the book, and they marry Orpah. And I have to say that carefully because I always want to say Oprah. It's Orpah. Different person, no talk show involved. Pretty quick after they settle in this bad place, something bad happens. Naomi's husband dies. Naomi's two sons who married Orpah and Ruth die. And so it's this weird episode of Three's Company where it's just Naomi and Orpah and Ruth. I could have gone with Golden Girls, but let's stick with Three's Company for right now. But it's just them. There's another lesson right away. This is a lesson about geographical cures. Just because something's bad doesn't mean it's supposed to drive you out into another place that's even worse. How many times? Boy, if I could just get out of here, if I just had more money, then everything would be fixed. If I just had a different zip code, a different last name, a different outfit, then I would be okay. Well, these are all flavors of geographical cures. And the deal is wherever you go, you're still you. Your consciousness is still going to have to work through the same, same thing that your consciousness had to work through before. Sometimes it's better to stay put. You get to decide when to stay and when to go. But simply changing your zip code is never the answer, and we know this. We know this from our lives, and we know this from the story. So, Naomi's husband and two sons die. And Naomi says to Ruth and Orpah, her, her two daughters-in-law, I'm going back to Bethlehem. I got family there. Um, my husband, uh, my, my late husband, was entitled to some property, but now because the way things work in this patriarchal culture. I got to go kind of fight for that now. I got to go back. It's going to be awful. And there's a real good chance that none of this is going to work. So you guys should just stop being Jewish. You know, you weren't Jewish before. You became Jewish when you married my kids. But you're just give up on that and just go, go back to your, your homes and just, you know, let's just let bygones be bygones, so to speak. And we'll, we'll just get over it. And Orpah... She leaves. This is why she doesn't get a talk show. Orpah goes. But Ruth has been touched by something. You get the idea that she didn't just convert to Judaism because you're supposed to when you get married. That there's some heart in this for her. That there's love in this that doesn't have anything to do with, with obligation. Because the way this works in this culture is once the husband, once the men are gone, once they die, you've got no obligation. Ruth can just go start over. 
And I'm not saying it would be easy, but she's got no obligation to hang out. And in fact, she, knowing how hard it's going to be for Naomi back in Bethlehem, it would have been the quote-unquote smart thing to do. But when Naomi tries to, to send her back, there's this quote. And it's from Ruth chapter 1, uh, verses 16 and 17. But Ruth said to Naomi, do not plead with me to leave you or to turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you sleep, I will sleep. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. When, where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me. And worse, if anything but death separates from me to you. In other words, try and scare me off. Because something has happened for me. There is a deep love here that is beyond obligation, that is beyond shared property. Because at this point, Naomi didn't have anything because your title and all that go through your husband. None of that matters. So let's stop right here at this moment. We've learned that even a famine can happen in Bethlehem. We've learned that there's no geographical cure, Right? But we've learned that even out of something that, that's, that's catastrophic, there is the hope of something going forward. Naomi loses her family, and yet she gains a daughter, a real daughter, one who's not there because of obligation, but who's there because of a love, not of Naomi just, but of something bigger. This is important, by the way. I was... Uh, part of a wedding ceremony not so long ago. And uh, I, I used part of that scripture from the book of Ruth. And I wrote that before I, I knew I was going to talk about this with you today, but I chose it because it's a story about how love works. True love is not about my love for another person or their love for me. Real love, if you want your relationship to work, whether it's a friendship or a romance or any kind of relationship, it only works to the degree that you both are celebrating something that's bigger than both of you. It's not me loving you or you loving me. It's that together we have an idea of love with a capital L, that there's something bigger than us. The thing that I always say, and if you know me, you've heard me say this before. Love is the song that you're both dancing to. That's the way this works. You don't create it. You don't consume it. Love is the song that you're both dancing to. And we see this in this moment with Ruth and Naomi. She says, you can't scare me off. So Naomi and Ruth, they go back to Bethlehem, the place that Naomi started. This is a story, in a way, about a lot of things, and one of those things is learning the hard way, and that's okay sometimes. Sometimes you do have to go away and seemingly lose everything so you can come back to where you started, but with a fresh perspective. That's okay, too. There's all kinds of ways to grow. But so the deal is, as I, as I mentioned before, Naomi's late husband had rights to some land, but because everything comes through the mail and all of that, I can't apologize for that. It's the way things were. It's not the right way. It's the way things were. But because of that patriarchal system, Naomi basically has to sell the land unless she can get a male family member to say that she gets to live in her home. That's what's at stake here. Unless she can find a kinsman who can assert her rights, basically. Ruth 
decides to go work the fields. And she doesn't have to do that. And understand with me that this is a dangerous proposition. It's dangerous because it's dangerous work. It's dangerous because Ruth has no training in this. She's not from that level of society. She's quote unquote too good to do that. She shouldn't be the kind of person who gets her hands dirty, so to speak. You get it? But it's also dangerous because remember, she's from Moab. Even though she's converted, she's a bad guy. She's the butt of the jokes. And the other servants in the field, people would look the other way if they hurt her. That's what I'm saying. You get the idea. This is a very dangerous proposition for Ruth to go work the fields. But she goes. Because, once again, this is a good story to read right after Joseph. Because God's put her here. And if I'm going to make this work, or rather, if I'm going to allow this to work through me, then I've got to work with God. God put me in the field, so I'm going to work the field. Don't be afraid of the work that, that God has given you. But then there's this guy, Boaz. And Boaz is a kinsman. And to skip ahead a little bit, uh, Boaz and Ruth, they hit it off. They fall in love. Um, Naomi encourages this and all that because she sees the love because it's going to solve the problem and all of that but something amazing happens because once again and read this part we don't have time to talk about it today but read this part where the nature of Ruth and Boaz's relationship is that there's something bigger than both of them that they're capable of showing vulnerability to each other because the trust that exists between them is something bigger than obligation Remember as well, Boaz has no obligation to even talk to these people. Ruth has no obligation to work the fields at all. They certainly have no obligation to fall in love. But you know what? That's the only way love can happen, right? When we get out of have to and we get into want to, when we get out of want to and into called to, is when the magic happens. So something magical happens. And Boaz says, yeah, I... I want you to be able to live in your home, but there's a problem. You see, there's a closer kinsman, somebody who's more directly related to Naomi's late husband. And so I'm good with it, but you've got to talk to this closer kinsman. Otherwise, you still have to sell the land and you have to go. And that's just the way that it is. And I can't really do much about it, but I will go talk to him. And so Boaz goes and, and talks to the, the kinsman and the kinsman says, I see that there's love here. And so he relinquishes his rights to the land. And it's kind of interesting because the way that you relinquish your rights in that time is you take off your shoe and you give it to the other person. I kind of wish we signed deals that way now. That'd be great. That's sort of a Dr. Scholl's level of, of arbitration. But think about what that means. Once again, we know about Moses letting there be no barrier between you and the ground. Remember that feet tend to represent understanding. In other words, I give you my unshod, my unprotected, my unarmored understanding. It's clear between us. Isn't that interesting? And so the kinsman gives up his rights and his right sandal to Boaz. And it has to do with feet, <laughs> meaning understanding. It has to do with seeing uh, the kindness and the love and the truth that all of this represents. And of course... The family is saved. And this is important. 
because Ruth is of the line of David. And David, you know him, and you're going to know him even better soon, is of the line of Jesus. So here we are again in this moment where none of this could have happened. None of this could have happened. If it weren't for the quote-unquote terrible famine, if it weren't for the quote-unquote terrible decision to go to Moab, if it weren't for the quote-unquote terrible thing that happened when the husband and the sons died, if it weren't for the quote-unquote ridiculous choice of Ruth to go back to Bethlehem, if it weren't for the quote-unquote goofy decision to go work the fields, if it weren't for the unlikely union of Ruth and Boaz, if it weren't for the impossible business decision where the kinsman gives up his property for no reason except that he sees that something bigger is happening there. With all of that, without all of that, rather, there's no manger. There are things going on in your life right now. And some of them are very straightforward and very easy. And some of them aren't. You, get, you can decide to let those things mark you as a Moabite, as no good. You can decide to let them make you mean. Or you can defy the outer expectations. You can defy what people say ought to be your nature and be something more, something that God meant you to be, something that God needs you to be. You want to be successful? You want uh, your land, so to speak? You want someone else to give you that acknowledgement? Well, then you have to acknowledge love. You have to put God first and you have to work. There's something for you to do. Can you do it in humility, but with love and with an openness to fall in love? Because, friends, I'm here to tell you that that is the only way for this to work. It is the only way to be free. Because, after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for all of the things that you do to to like and subscribe and share and help spread the word. Thank you for all of those gifts of, of love and substance that help keep this ministry going. And you are keeping this ministry going. Let's hold those gifts in our minds and hearts and bless our offering together. God is my source, my unending supply. With this gift, I carry my gratitude into action. God's blessings flow through me and fill my world. I give and I live with radical joy. In Jesus' name, amen. And I want to remind you that wherever you are and wherever you're listening to this, you're not alone. Let's pray together as one family. God, I'm ready for change. My heart is open. I'm not afraid anymore. My life is in peace and on purpose. So it is, and so it does. Amen. Now go show the world what love looks like today. I'll see you next week. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do based on what you've heard can change your life and really 
change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch the videos. Come join us in person. Our street address and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should, do that there. Waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.